you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 153. I'm here with Seth. He's a dad in my mastermind. Who's also? Can I say that you've become a friend? Are we friends? Is I, that I hope presumptuous? We're, I hope, I, I'm honored. Yeah, I hope we're friends. Okay, we so we're friends. So. I mean, you after all, you so. could give a, a, a walker in my you know um, neighborhood a, a poop bag. So yeah, you're a friend, so that they could pick up yeah. poop in our yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mastermind dad and fairly new friend of mine and new neighbor, new neighbor. So um, a little history is that Sarah, Sarah, who Seth is married to. Um, started working with me, joined my private mastermind membership a couple of years ago. Um, and I didn't, I mean, I knew Sarah was married. I didn't even know your name. Like most moms in the mastermind, um, there's just like the husband that they really wish would do the work with them, but then they don't because even, even the good guys, like the Seths and the Scots, Scott's my husband, I say even the good guys still have male privilege lurking underneath, which is nobody's saying it out loud, but parenting is more women's work than men's work. So when things are not going smoothly, the moms come and join the mastermind 95% of the time. And um, dad is maybe quietly supportive, but not actually engaging in doing the work. Would you say, am yeah. I putting word? Yeah. Would no, you disagree I, with I, any of that? I, I, I agree with all that. I think that, um, you know, male privilege sometimes means that we can um, bask in the lessons that the wife is learning and, and the, and then implementing certain actions and we can more observe and say, oh, this is working well, or, um, you know, thank God she's here to pick up the pieces. So yeah, absolutely. And, you know, more often than not, at the beginning, it's like, it, it, you know, because because the person who's learning the tools, I just had a dad say to me today, he's like, everything you just described, I did this, one of those, uh, I'm calling it same page sessions. Like when I met with you and Sarah, when yeah. you bought in, I did, I do all these assessments and, and really then I kind of go through and talk about how you're wired, how your partner's wired. 
and um and just kind of help you know really i want to just bring more self-awareness to how you're meant to solve problems how your partner's meant to solve problems and um and so i just did a session and i went through all their assessments just like i did with you guys Mm -hmm. um you know and wove it into a common problem that they were trying to solve and he reflected back and he's like you know all the things that you said, I sort of knew it kind and he said it, he goes, it kind of had like the duh factor. He goes, but it was still good to hear it. Like it was still validating to hear those things. Well, I think um, that, that we, what you do is you put labels on things and to concepts that we all sort of might mm-hmm. know something about. But I think you do a deeper dive into those concepts and also give them a label so that we can speak a certain language. But you know, when you when 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 you're first learning the new tools, even right. though they have the no shit Sherlock duh factor, <laughs> it's like, huh, show up respectfully to your kids and model that and they'll be respectful back. When you try yeah. to control them and act like an asshole, they're gonna act like controlling assholes back. You know, like it's Yeah, like, I mean there's okay. certainly the, the duh factor, but I would say too, like it takes a lot of intentionality in the the internal monologue that you have with yourself and then how then you react and interact with you know your kids or your spouse um well right well so there's a lot yeah there's a lot of duh but there's a lot of hard work that goes into to getting to understanding what the duh is well my point is is that whenever somebody's just like they they hear the concepts and they're like yeah that makes sense okay i'm gonna try Mm -hmm. and do that and they, it's a lot of hard work yeah. to, re, to recondition yourself. So when my, my moms start trying to do these, these things that are the duh things, but they're still like reconditioning themselves and mm-hmm. trying to do it, they're just growing their sea legs. And so they're not very good at it yet. You know, they're, they're not very good. You have to start somewhere. As I tell my kids, when they're like the worst person on whatever sports team, you know, the courage comes from being a beginner and being willing to suck, mm-hmm. you know, because it's easy to walk out on the basketball court when you know that you're the one who's going to be making all the shots. But when you're the worst one on the team, you know, and you know you sort of suck, and because you're a beginner, because you haven't signed up for basketball for five years like all the other kids on the team, you know, this is your first time, you know, it's hard. It's vulnerable. It's, yeah. it's hard to be a beginner. So, like, when my moms are growing their sea legs and they're just trying out these tools um, and they sort of suck at it, right, because mm-hmm. they're beginners, when they have a partner who, like, is like, yes, I support you, honey, but then they see that mom's trying to have empathy and mom's, you know, and you've got this little kid who's speaking to mom or dad disrespectfully and acting like a pain in the ass. And these new tools involving empathy and, and all the mastermind methods don't seem to be working yet because nobody's mastered the skills yet. A lot of times dad, who's not doing the work too, is like, I mean, this stuff sounds good, but it's not working. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, we went through some of that. I, I know before I had um, understood and, and embraced Mastermind, we had some of that too, like where Sarah would um, do um, pet time um, or tell me to do pet time. And I was like, this is not working and this feels awkward and it feels artificial. Um, you know, yes, we, we've had many mm-hmm. moments like that. Yeah. And so it's, you know, so 
So you and I were talking kind of offline the other day about how this stuff really works when both parents are on the same page yeah. and doing this work together. And, um, and I said, well, it works faster. Yeah. You know, it, what, what happens is it really gels and works faster. But I was saying, you know, I, I like to say this stuff is contagious. And so when I have my moms who are like, I can't accomplish anything because my husband says he's on board, but then he undermines or he questions or he doesn't really believe and he's still doing all the shaming and blaming and controlling. And, um, and so it's not, you know, I always say, yes, it can work. You have to get better with your own pack leadership and your own boundaries with your husband, first and foremost. Like if he's right. not going to get on board, board, you can't control him until, you know, he, you can't control him. You can't force him to get on board, but what yeah. you can do is show up in your pack leadership and in your leadership energy and tell him to get out of the fucking way, um, <laughs> in a much nicer way than that. But like, you know, but like, it's hard for women to stand up and to be like, okay, um, please just move aside. She please and, just move yeah. aside. You're not being helpful right now. And, um, and I'm going to do this. So if you're not going to join me in this program that we invested in, then at least just step aside and allow me to do what I need to do and master these skills. But, but don't make it harder for me. Don't make it harder for me. And it's, it's hard to step into that leadership energy with your partner and to do it in a way that's not emasculating. I mean, like it's, right. it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation. Yeah. I think it's also hard for a husband to one acknowledge that uh, he's not contributing as much as he thinks he is. And two, to be told, Hey man, you're pretty ineffective and you're actually kind of dead weight here in the plan of getting our family back together so that we're all enjoying each other. Um, so I think that that's also a hard pill to swallow. It's a process, you know, it's a process. And, and, um, I mean, it's been so cool for me because Sarah was in the mastermind for a while and Sarah is, you know, she's like that. It's like, if you, if she was a movie, she'd be goodwill hunting. Like mm -hmm. she's that sleep, you know, she's like that sleeper hit movie that like, you know, it's, you know, it didn't have like, it's not, she's not in your face. She's like this quiet little, like, like powerhouse, Yeah, you know? So every time I offered an experience, she came to the experience, you know, she's busy doctor. Um, she would show up to coaching calls and get coached and like, just got it, you know? So I wouldn't necessarily, it's not like she was like the person, the main person chiming in. She wasn't you know, front and center in the group, but she just kept showing up, kept raising her hand to get coached. And it was just clear that she was very, what I like to say, coachable. Like she was taking it all in, taking it all in. Um, and she reached out. And so then you guys moved close to my house, just kind of coincidentally. Mm -hmm. And I walk my dogs, as you know, many times a day. And so I started, you know, seeing you guys and, Y'all were having an issue that you were having a hard time getting on the same page about. It was a pretty big issue, whether you were going to add to your family, you know, you have two boys and Sarah wanted a third child and you, like my husband, were like, why would it, anyone in their right mind want more than two <laughs> children? Am I putting that, am I putting words into your mouth? Oh, not at all. No. <laughs>
And so like my, my husband's like, who, who wants more than two children? Especially we've got a boy and a girl, like it's done. Right. Like, I don't like, no. And I'm like, there are people, there are men. He's like, name them. So anyway, Seth was also pulling that. And so Sarah basically was like, you know, I feel like I need to, we need, you know, would you, would you do a private session with us? So I went over to y'all's house. You live close to me on a Sunday morning. We sat outside. It was lovely. And, um, I had you guys do all those assessments that I love. Of course, you turn out to be a fucking questioner, right. which <laughs> drives everybody like, crazy. Yeah, like I always say, my questioners always there's the questioners are the on the four tendencies test by Gretchen Rubin are the ones who are just like super skeptical. And um, but once questioners buy into a process, like they buy all in, you know. So my questioners always start off as a pain, but then they turn out to be like my free marketing agents, which you have like, you know, voluntarily putting posts out on Facebook. Hey guys, you know, here, let me share a resource. So, um, so by the end of that session, I did my stuff and you kind of turned to me and I don't know, like what, I mean, it wasn't, it was, you know, it was an hour and a half. Like, how did you go into that session? What were you expecting and how did you come out of it? Uh, yeah, it's a good, good, good question. So, um, in the beginning of the session, I, I kind of thought it was going to be, so, um, like we went to, to a counselor before and I thought that she was pretty neutral and, and maybe even tilted towards me. Um, and I was kind of thankful for that. And then the counselor, um, revealed her biases and then we stopped because we realized actually she couldn't be of any help. Um, and then we waited a few months and then talked to you. And I thought it was going to be a barrage going the other way um, of having kind of this intermediary who was totally pro Sarah. Um, and it was going to be just a bullying session of get on, get on board, man. Um, and, and um, it was really helpful. Right. So I was skeptical at first. And then I like your approach because um, I think that you ask hard questions and make both husband and wife think about things, right. Both partners thinking about things. Um, and it was, it was, I mean, in particular, right. I mean, I, I am a questioner and I future tripped for, I don't know, six years on this issue, four years on this issue. So it had been pretty ingrained, um, into my head, um, of how bad things could be. And right. I mean, you, you reframed, um, a lot of my future tripping and fears and, you know, you, you made those thoughts kind of reshape them into being more helpful and more positive and more productive in the end. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, it was yeah, a big, I- this was a big wedge in, in, in Maya and Sarah's relationship because um, it was kind of one of those things where we would talk about it, get nowhere. There's no compromise. You either have a kid or you don't. Um, and so it was, it was a real sticking point for several years. And I and, think that, I mean, like just even the fact, like, like she's, you know, she's a doctor, she's a scientist, you're a lawyer yeah, and, and aren't you a litigator? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, you it was know, battle. y'all were, yeah, <laughs> it was battle. Right. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, so after, after that experience, I just remember at the very end, you looked at me 
And you said something like mental jujitsu. You know, yeah, you the way you know you go, whatever that mental jujitsu, I feel I mean, I feel better. Like I feel like we're gonna be able to handle this. Like yeah. y'all didn't need me to like hand you guys are two smart people. So the mental jujitsu, um which cracked me up and it's like y'all are smart people you didn't need me to sit there and go okay guys so what are we going to do from here like it was like we just needed to sort of clear the muck from your brains get you guys back to a place of partnership and work together you know that's what really the main thing i teach i'm really a one-trick pony it's just like how do we solve a problem like life is about solving problems so how are we going to solve whatever the current problem is at hand whether to have a add to our family and have another baby whether our kid you know how to help our kid sleep through the night you know there's having a sleep regression how to help our older kid stop you know, being mean to their younger sibling, whatever the problem is, we were like, how do we work together to solve that problem? And, um, and so that's really the bottom line is, is we're not going to solve problems together unless we feel like we're working as a team and we're actually on the same team, you know, as opposed to, you know, opposite, opposite sides. And so, um, and so, you know, we got there and then y'all were like, you know, all right, this issue we're going to work on. And, you know, and, and that was kind of the beginning of you buying in and, um, and sort of being ready to start taking part in the mastermind process. Like, you know, you know, in, in your own right, without necessarily just following Sarah's lead, you kind of started moving into your own process of learning this information. Yeah. I mean, I think after that first session, I realized um, that it's really valuable, that it's um, more rigorous than I had thought um, and and a lot harder than I had thought, but in a good way. And I kind of thought that, well, I was doing this first session for Sarah, not necessarily for us. And I sort of morphed into doing more things for us and then doing more things for me um, as I dug into Mastermind. And I think it's been a really powerful tool. Um, and I... Um, I think that I've become a better husband, a better partner, and a better dad for it. How have you become a better person? I mean, what I like to say, there's a famous Maya Angelou quote that's when people know better, they do better. Yeah. And um, and I said, I like to say, I want to modify that. When people feel better, mm-hmm. they do better. Mm-hmm. So a better husband, a better father, a better person yeah like yeah don't what does you that mean? i mean yeah like what does that mean i mean is it because you feel better well i yeah i think in part i think a lot of it is right so the genesis of my sort of respecting mastermind and, and your approach was these reframes and re- reappraisal or what i call them until jujitsu and i think that um having a more productive and positive spin on what may be perceived as an insurmountable problem is actually totally, um, you can handle it and it's manageable and it shouldn't be a wedge, but it's a conversation or an opportunity for a conversation with your spouse to then partner on. Um, and, and so, so I think that's been one aspect. Another aspect is growth mindset. Um, I think that listening to or going through the basics and hearing some of the discussions regarding that. And then I coupled that with like some, um, Brene Brown, 
you know, the Dare to Lead book. Um, I just think having growth mindset, I think I went pretty deep into Mastermind, uh, Dare to Lead, and then Atomic Habits kind of all at the same time. I think that was earlier this spring. Um, and so I think that that's been helpful for, for just self-awareness, right? So I feel better in the sense that I, I know that it's a process and I know that um, it may, yeah, I may do terribly some days, but, but it, so long as I'm intentional and trying um, that I'm, I'm going to get there at some point. But what I want to say is, is like, even if we just kind of dumb it down more, when you're fighting, you know, or arguing or not on the same page with your wife about deciding. Yeah. Does, it, does it feel whether, good? No. <laughs> right. Whether we're going to have another baby or not and you're future tripping and you're going six years ahead and you're thinking, you know, she's got a busy career. I've got a busy career. We've got two kids that on some days we already feel like, you know, it's like, we can't be outnumbered here. This is going to, it's going to be hell on wheels. You know, the first three years are, it's all like what I like to say, the game of moments until death. Like you have to have eyes in the back of your head. It's so, you know, five years. Yeah. I mean, like really like, like you can't take your eyes off of them. Um, so it's exhausting. So we've got all these other things. It's not like we've got a lot of extra space. Where is a baby coming in? And so you were future tripping. And then when you guys are, you know, not on the same page about it and you know your wife's not getting what she wants and what if she resents you in 20 years and your brain's going to that place. Yeah. Like all the sentences going through your head in those moments, doing all that future tripping is causing you to have a lot of cortisol racing through your veins. Yeah. And no, that, that's yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. So a lot of cortisol racing through, through your veins and you know, this summer we've been talking on this podcast about dysregulation, the summer of balance. What is it like when people feel unbalanced in their nervous systems? Dysregulation. Like this is what we're talking about. When you're having certain thoughts, certain sentences going through your head because you can't solve a problem and you're at odds with the people you love the most, it's going to cause you to have a lot of stress hormones. And those stress hormones are going to cause your body to feel depleted and exhausted and you still have to go to work and you have responsibilities and your kids are like, but play with me, but play with me. And then you have to stay calm when one of them's, you know, being a little asshole to the other one (laughs) and, you know, and, and all, and, and when you are in this state of cortisol going through your veins, you're going to feel dysregulated. Your partner's going to feel dysregulated you know, and so that's like the opposite of feeling like a balanced human being. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I think that 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 that's right. Um, I think that when when there was conflict before and when it was future tripping and without having kind of those more productive conversations. Um, but I will tell you, you know, my, my patience level with myself, with Sarah, with my kids was definitely lower. Um, and I think that a lot of the interactions that I had with Sarah would inevitably um, get to talking about the third kid at some point. And I think every time, you know, in the space before that, it was all kind of the avoiding that topic. So um, there was maybe minimal interaction or not high quality interaction. 
because of just the fear of having that um, crappy conversation that at the time um, had no good resolution. Well, and if you have, if so, if you're trying to avoid that conversation, um, so then you're not feeling as connected to your partner, right? right? And this, so this is all, if you feel better, you do better. So all of these things lead to how you actually feel in your body. If you're not feeling connected, mm -hmm. it can feel lonely. It can feel isolating. If there's not as much intimacy as you want, um, everybody's going to be seeking false pleasures to feel better. We don't think about it. It's all subconscious, mm -hmm. but that's when we're, you know, isolating, binging, overing, overworking, overeating, over drinking, over Netflixing, you know, all the different things that end up making us feel like crap again tomorrow. Right. Um, and so it's just this sort of vicious cycle that continues. And, um, and, and, and I think so many people end up living in a state of almost like constant dysregulation because mm -hmm. your, your, your nervous system is reliant on all these false pleasures to make yourself just feel better in a moment because, you know, you're not getting to the root of solving the real problem, which is working together as a team and feeling like you're this person you've chosen to spend your life with and raise these children with is truly your person. And, right. and they, and, and, and you're their person. Like that's all anyone wants, mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, so I was thinking about, you know, nobody is like is raising their hand and saying, um, I'm a dysregulated person. I'm an, I can be, you know, like I can be an explosive person. I mean, even the moms in my mastermind, it's so funny because like very rarely it takes a long time and a lot of trust until everybody's like, okay, me losing my shit. It, this is what it looks like. And, you know, and my spouse, you know, them losing their shit, mm -hmm. it's scary. You know, like nobody's really coming because nobody wants to throw themselves or their partner under the bus and talk about what it really looks like or their parents. Nobody else. And, and it's also true, I think, for people growing up, um, you know, I think we have selective memories. I mean, many of us, I know I do like, like, see, like getting a window into what my dad was like growing up. Like I sort of had forgotten, you know, because, because as adults, you know, I'm around him just in little bursts and he's obsessed with my children and he's a loving grandfather. And so I see him as the Kramer version of him. Like my kids think he's like Kramer. Like yeah. they're like, you know, and, and, and lately we've had some stress in our family and I've been seeing the version of him that he was growing up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, even me, my brain had forgotten what it was like to live with that version of him. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was freaking scary and stressful, you yeah. know? Um, and so I think, I guess I'm like, you know, let's talk. I really want to talk about if this, if this situation is happening where there's a lot of stress in families and people are dysregulated and we see our, our partners, it's hard maybe sometimes to see yourself when you show up in that place, 
But when your partner shows up in that dysregulated place, okay, um, I want to talk about the best way to sort of help diffuse the situation and be a supportive partner, you know, and kind of take the baton. When you see your partner being dysregulated and maybe even a little scary or explosive, just in some way showing up that's not helpful to the household, um, how do you show up supportively and 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 take the baton away from your partner um, so that they can kind of tag out and go get themselves together? When your kid is unbalanced, mm-hmm. right, we know what kid behaviors show that they're not feeling, that they're feeling dysregulated. Like all the annoying behaviors that, you know, badgering, teasing, name calling, um, snarkiness, uh, playing that devil's advocate, just arguing about every stupid little thing, (laughs) like all, you know, all those behaviors that make us want to, you know, go into telling them how unacceptable their behavior is, blah, 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 which we know in the heat of the moment doesn't work and just leads to a power struggle. But it's trickier, I think, when you see your co-parent an adult yeah. show up in a dysregulated place. Um, like how do, cause I always say like, like, here's the thing when your co-parent is showing up in a dysregulated place, is, is acting explosive, mm-hmm. doing the shaming and blaming all those things. Your, your job is to keep your kids. you like, like our jobs is to keep the people in our care safe and healthy. Right. And when someone's being explosive and shaming and blaming all the things, yeah. Um that is not emotionally safe. Yeah. So as the other parent who is not dysregulated in that moment, mm-hmm. it's our job to make sure first and foremost the people in our care are safe. So how do we encourage our co-parent to tag out Mm-hmm. without, you know, undermining them or making them feel like they look stupid in front of their kids? Like, how do we do it from a place of partnership? Mm-hmm. So Sarah doesn't really get explosive, thankfully, but there sometimes is some shaming and blaming when the kids are totally dysregulated. And what I try to do is um, in, a, in, in a space where that's not occurring is to pull her aside and just say, I noticed this, um, it needs to stop. Um, why don't you go do something else? I'll take over. Or if I can't take over because I'm, I'm upstairs working, but I'm hearing it uh, downstairs, I'll just come in and I'll say, you know, figure out uh, something else to do um, or, or let them be by themselves for a little bit and until you're calmer. Um, and- that's generally how it works and it works pretty well. Um, Cause I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, she's very kind of receptive <laughs> to, to, to feedback. And so that's really helpful. Perfect. Um, so, you know, I think that at the end of the day, you're basically saying, I'm gonna point it out, but take a walk, mm-hmm. you know, like take a walk, take a breather, 
like like you deserve to take a break. I'm either going to take over for the kids or if I can't, like they're old enough where they can be without you for a minute. So just walk away, go to your calm down spot, like go right. get, get out get of your, overwhelm. Yeah. You deserve to allow your body to like, you know, be able to come back to a place of, of stasis. Like you deserve that. Go take that. You need yeah. that. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong. It's messy being a human. Like I need a walk sometimes too. You need a walk right now. They're being freaking annoying. They're triggering you. You've had a long day. Go take a walk. I got this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so, and so, you know, I think that it's important to remember when we're telling our partners to go take a walk, right? And to tag out and we got them. It's the same, it's really the same tools that are helpful that we use with our kids. And I want to say one of the greatest tools, and I actually learned it from the book, Never Split the Difference, um, is the low, slow, late night FM DJ voice. Mm-hmm. So the words that you use don't matter nearly as much as the tone. And my hunch is, is that when you're telling Sarah, whatever you're telling her, kind of pointing out why she needs to go take a walk and go to her calm down spot, you're not doing it in an aggressive, mean, accusatory way. If she's receptive to it, you know, if she's receptive to it, it's probably because it's like, hey, it's not going well step away. I've got a few more minutes on this call, but this is clearly not working. Go take a breather. They can play by themselves for five minutes Mm -hmm. and let's just, you know, like we need, we need it. We need a, we need a a pause button. We need a timeout, walk away. Like, you know, and so that, Hey, you know, y'all remember that low, slow, late night FM DJ voice is just, I got you and this is not working, right? So it's a grounding kind of firm, but calm. It's not like, oh, honey, it's not that voice. Right. It's, you know, I'm grounding you, I'm holding you, and I'm also holding you accountable. Like walk away. This is not... This is clearly not working. And so it's quiet. It's low. Men are much better at this than women because men naturally have lower voices. So that tool can be super helpful when your partner is dysregulated. So, you know, everybody always wants to know the scripts. The tone matters way more than the scripts. Get Make sure you're calm first and foremost. And the other thing that helps people that are dysregulated have to kind of develop the skill set to get themselves back into a state of calm is when we disengage. So saying, walk away, go give yourself a minute. Um, This is not working, but walk away is basically saying, I'm not going to sit here and fight with you. And you Mm -hmm. sitting here and fighting with the kids is not going to get your body to a calmer place. Like the disengagement basically leaves the other person to have to feel the feelings in their body. And, um, and, and, and when we argue or fight, we're basically giving them little adrenaline rushes and 
that is what they're using as a tool when they feel dysregulated in their body. And so disengaging from that person takes that adaptive strategy, basically, of fighting with someone when they're feeling dysregulated. It's it's like, we're not going to fight about this. We're not going to argue. You're not going to continue arguing with the kids. Go get yourself together. And it right. leaves the person to have to develop a better skill set. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Um, all right. Off to, I know you've got to get to another meeting. Um, I think this was great. I think, um, you know, my main intention, I just want to end with my main intention of bringing you on is what I want to leave my, the listeners with is even if your partner is not on board yet, have hope, have hope because he's not, he hasn't, he maybe hasn't come to the party yet. But the word is yet. Have hope. Keep doing your work. Stay in your own lane and know this stuff is contagious. Yeah. And have your partner um, just go through the basics. Um, those audios, you can adjust the speed. So if some, if your partner is as impatient as I am, you can have your partner listen to it at 1.5x or 2x and get through it in, in you know, a couple of after, weekend afternoons. Um, but... I will say that it's great to be able to be on the same page and use the same vocabulary, use the same techniques. It, it, there's so much more power and it does um, work faster, these techniques, and it's just so much more effective and a better house. And if nothing else, at least it's a good bonding, a way to bond with your partner. Um, so hopefully other dads, other partners get on board and I'm happy to talk with anyone if they're skeptical. Love it. Love it. Thanks a million. Okay. Okay, Talk to you soon. See you on the next walk. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs, and if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, And as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's Mastermind underscore Parenting. Um, And, you know, periodically, I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching, and I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better, because when they feel better, they do better. And um, I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.